Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor David Hall, Senior Pastor of LifePoint Church. For more information, visit our website on www.davidhall.com.au. King of kings and Lord of lords, there is no one like our God. And I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel like God's going to do something in the house tonight. Uh, last night, I, was, I wasn't in service this morning. Last night, I flew home on 11.30 flight from Singapore. And last night, 1,600 young people gathered together for 40 youth ministries combined. And, and I mean, the power of God hit that place last night. People, from, from the moment we started, people touched by God on the floor, young people touched by the power of God. I mean, I, mean, I tell you, there's nothing like preaching in Singapore. It's awesome. Acts chapter 6, verse 3. Are you ready for the word? Yeah. Therefore, brethren... Acts 6.3, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. If you've got an old school King James Bible, a man full of faith and the Holy Ghost and Philip, and so on. And it says this in verse 6, Whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands upon them. I just want to stop there on a side note and just say, as a church, it's a very big conviction for us to operate with a laying on of hands. There is something powerful. I feel the anointing of God on this. There is something powerful about impartation of the power and the presence of God. I never want to be a church that doesn't open the altar and lay hands on people because I believe there is a divine transaction that God says will happen when we pray. Jesus said, you lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We do see a lot of people who don't seem to recover, but I think we could up the ante by laying on more hands and believing God and stepping in faith and, and believing God to do something. It says this, laid hands on them, then the word of God spread and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now let's have a look at verse 8. And Stephen, full of faith, we see that again. And Stephen, full of faith and power. Somebody say faith and power. Say it again, say faith Faith. and power. Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. I want to look at this for a little while and, and really have a look at this partnership of faith and power. Faith, a supernatural sense of trusting that God is able and willing to do that which is promised in His Word, being people of faith, but also people of the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, when God called me to be a pastor and, and to lead this church, He's called us to be a Pentecostal church. And, and that's not about uh, associating with a brand of, uh, of denominational affiliation. It's about us having a conviction that the Holy Spirit moves today, that He has a plan for Adelaide today, that the Jesus is alive today and is moving by His Holy Spirit. And, and so for me, being a person of faith and power is being someone who takes God at His word, faith, that, 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 that supernatural gift from God that causes to laugh in the face of giants and and possess the promises of God. He says, I'm looking for people of faith and people of the Spirit and and power of God. These are the people that God said, we've got to get them serving and building the house of God. 
Isn't that amazing? And you know, I don't want to depart from the book of Acts. I pray that every person in this house is part of it and say, you know what, we're going to work together and build something. I pray that you would be a people of faith and a people of the Spirit of God. That this atmosphere would be an atmosphere of faith and the Spirit of God. Faith and the supernatural. I really want to look at that tonight. Faith and the supernatural. I really want to talk into this because it's a conviction of my heart. It's a conviction of our leadership. It's a, it's a conviction of our church. And, and, and the Bible says uh, we've got to look for some people. The church was growing in the book of Acts. It was exploding. I mean, on their first day of business, 3,000 people gave their hearts to Jesus. A few days or weeks later, another 5,000 joined the church. The thing was pandemonium. It was exploding. And, and to, to, to manage what God was doing, they said, look, we need to search out some people who are full of faith and, and full of the Holy Spirit. And so, and so they had a look around. There were some people that met those requirements. They also said of good reputation and all of those things. But they were looking for people who fit that description. And I, I guess if, if we were looking here for people full of faith in the Holy Spirit, I, I pray that I would be one of those people. I pray that you would be one of those people, person of faith and a person who carries the power of God. Aren't you glad Jesus isn't dead in a garden tomb somewhere over in the Middle East? Aren't you glad he's alive and we can walk in the power of Jesus in our heart and in, in our life? It's a, it's a lethal combination, faith and the supernatural. So they said, look for a man of faith and power, and it says in verse 8, and Stephen, full of faith. Somebody say, full of faith. I want to just say this. He didn't possess faith alone. He was full of faith. We all possess faith, but he was full of faith. And he was full of the Holy Ghost. And that word full means to be, get the idea of a fully furnished home. That's really the word that, uh, that we're getting here from Luke as he, as he gave us the book of Acts under the anointing of God. That word full means to be furnished and supplied. It gives a picture of taking a hollow log and blocking one end and cramming it full of dirt or whatever can fill that log so it's completely full with, with, with no room, no space, not one crevice that is, that is still able to contain anything, completely full. The Bible says when the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost that the, the anointing of God, the power of God filled the whole house where they were sitting. The entire place was full. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, and there was an overflow in their life where they began to speak in tongues and, and come into the, the power and the anointing of God. And, and the truth is, you and I, our church, we, we, we can do church and that's good, but I pray that this would be a house where when people come, they would sense that this place is filled, not, not with the egos of man or the, or the ideologies of man, but with the power and the presence of God, that this room would have a sense of faith in it, that if somebody comes in sick, something flicks in their spirit and, and faith begins to rise and, and there's a miracle for them and there's a miracle for us. Faith in the power of God, that word faith, if you look in the original language, the word faith means a persuaded conviction. A persuaded conviction. There is no way that you can convince someone out of that space once they have a persuaded conviction. Let's be realistic. I, I, I think conviction is probably a strong word, but you can see this bottle of water. It's here. It's right there. I'll put it there. I could say to you, that bottle's there. As long as you see that bottle there, there's nothing anyone can tell you to tell you, no, there's no bottle there. There's a bottle. There. It's, a, it's a reality. Faith sees things that maybe our natural eye can't see, but as sure as we are about this, faith makes us as sure about the word, the promises and the will of Almighty God. And I want to be a person who lives with that sense of unshakable faith 
where I have a persuaded conviction. King Herod Agrippa in the book of Acts was being witnessed to and he said, you almost persuade me. You're almost pushing me over the edge to being that person of persuaded conviction. I pray that you and I would live with a persuaded conviction that Jesus is alive, that he's coming back, that, that, that the hour is urgent and the church need to rise and be who God's called to be. I don't know about you, but I want to be a man of faith. I don't want to be a man of doubt and unbelief that's always looking at the clouds, always metaphorically speaking, or looking at this or looking at that. I want to be the kind of person that is absolutely convinced, absolutely persuaded that Jesus is in control. He's got a plan that he can, he's going to meet our needs. He's going to meet your needs. Needs is going to do something good in your life. You say you're yelling a bit on a Sunday night. I know, I'm pumped. Bless God, faith. And he says, full of power. That word power means a divine, supernatural enabling. I mean, you've got a persuaded conviction that God is supernatural and going to do incredible things in your life. And then you got the power of the Holy Ghost to back up the claims that he's making. Can I tell you, there's things that I know God's called me to that, that my natural mind, I can't, I can't get my head into that and go, yeah, that's, I, I believe it's impossible. But in, in the natural, but in faith, I believe it's, it's absolutely possible. It's probable it's going to happen. And it's the anointing of God. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in my life that gives me the confidence that, that, that I guess my faith is anchored in God and what he's going to do. But I know it's the Holy Spirit within me that's going to give me the power to do the things God's called me to do. It's, a, it's an indivisible partnership. You can have faith, but man, get the anointing of God on you to give you the power to do the things God's called you to do. The anointing, the power of God is simply God's power coming on your life, anointing you to do things you'd never be able to do, but for the power of God. That's why it's a supernatural enabling. You say, well, I go to heaven if I, if I don't have the power of the Holy Ghost in life. Absolutely. You can live a Christian life without being filled with the Holy Spirit, but it's the difference between climbing a tall building with the stairs or taking the elevator. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, you just cruise up and there's a sense of ease and rest that comes with being filled with the Holy Spirit. Faith and the supernatural. Somebody say, faith and the supernatural. Let's have a look at a scripture. We'll stay in Acts 6, but just for a minute, let's have a look at Romans 1. It's next door to Acts. Romans 1. Are you happy tonight? Does anyone love Jesus in the house? Anyone on their way to heaven? Are you excited about that? Better than the alternative? Paul writes this in Romans 1.16. I've read this a thousand times. Preached from it before, but there's something in here that's just arrested my spirit. He says in verse 16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Somebody say faith to faith. From faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. I want to look at this little phrase here. We're talking about faith and we're talking about the supernatural. Faith and power. That word right there is talking about faith to faith. I grew up uh, in the home of pastors who believed in the power of God, who, who, who would pray and see miracles and lives impacted and changed by the power of God. It wasn't uncommon to be in a church service and a deaf ear would open or a blind eye would open or miracles would happen. And this was something I, I guess I've been blessed to grow up around and grow up with. And 
And so for me, I guess I've had a, an eyewitness to the miracles of God, and it's, it's an honor. But where I get nervous a little bit, if I can be honest with you, is that I feel like my generation and the generations to come haven't necessarily had the opportunity to see some of those things. And I get nervous that instead of going from faith to faith, as the generations go, as in conviction and, and, and persuaded conviction to persuaded conviction, I believe we, we, we're in danger of going from faith maybe to reason or faith maybe to knowledge or faith to, to pragmatism. And I, I never want us to lose as a church that wide-eyed, bushy-tailed sense of, wow, God, you, you're able to do incredible things. And I, I want us as a church to go from faith to faith, you know, where we believe in the power of God, faith today, faith tomorrow, faith for the future, the power of God today, the power of God tomorrow, the power of God in, in, the, in the future. You know, to, to get to a point, if we, if we start uh, watering down our faith or allowing our faith to drift, not only does our faith drift, but so does the miracles. And then when the miracles start to drift, we lose our faith to start talking about the supernatural because we feel like the claims that we talk about stop happening. And I feel like as a church, we got to get to a point and say, not only are we going to talk about it, we're going to contend for it. And we're going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about the miracles of God. Yeah, there's been times where it doesn't always happen, but I don't want to quit. I don't, I don't want to stand back and go, you know what? You know, we just got to, we just got to find a reason for things being difficult. I want us as the people of God to go from faith to faith. I pray that in my generation there's faith, but I pray in the generations to come there's greater faith. There's a greater sense of God. And I, I, I pray that the price that's been paid by our spiritual fathers that have gone before, we don't, we don't, we don't squander the faith they've had by, by enjoying the benefits of their faith while living in reason and knowledge. I want us to be a people of faith. Forget what I want. God's calling us to be a people of faith and a people who believe in the power and the supernatural of God. Somebody say faith to faith. Isn't that a great scripture? Faith to faith. And you know, this whole idea of faith and the power of God, we see all through the life of Stephen. And I guess we've been in Acts chapter six and you might want to turn back there and and, uh, and we're going to do a bit of a journey here and have a look at the life of, of Stephen and the ministry of Stephen and, and, and what took place in his life. But tonight what I'd like to do is I'd like to give you six benefits or six blessings that come in our life or really from the life of Stephen, the, the power of faith and power, faith and the supernatural. Are you ready for the word? I've got six thoughts for you. Number one, if you're writing these down, number one, and this is the first thing we need to know about faith and power. Number one is faith and power are recognizable. I'm going to say that again. Faith and power are recognizable. The Bible says right there in Acts chapter six, let's look for men full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. If it's not recognizable, how are they meant to discover who these people were? There's something about faith that is seen. It's not necessarily in our church kind of jargon where we just spout off different things, but there is something about faith that is recognizable. For instance, Jesus is teaching in some religious people's house. The house is packed out. The Bible says the power of the Lord was present to heal. And there was four young men that had a friend who was unable to walk. He, 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 he had 
I guess he was crippled from birth. And, and, the, and the Bible says that they broke a hole through the roof and they lowered him in front of Jesus. And the Bible says when Jesus saw their faith. I mean, that's a fairly obvious demonstration of faith, but faith is something that can be seen. Faith is something that when you have faith, you can't help but inspire the people that are around about you. There's something about faith. There's something about believing God. There's something about being around people who have got a heart to do something for God. I, I, just, I know I told you a little bit before, but just last night in Singapore, 1,600 people gathered in, in a church there from, from 40 different churches and crying out to God for revival. Why? Because one guy in that city had a bit of faith to work the phones and say to someone from Australia, I'm having a go. Would you come over? I didn't know who he was, but there was something in my spirit that said, I've got to go. And these people came together. God moved and the fire of God fell last night in a powerful way. Why? Because sometimes when someone's about to step out and have a go, there's something that's attractive about it, but you recognize faith. There's certain people that if I was sick, you just know that they carry something. You just know that when they pray, God listens. And it's like, okay, fair enough. There it is. I want to be around people like that. People who, who are full of hope and trust in God that, that he's able to do supernatural things. And it's going to be okay. And You know, I can be a bit of a worrier. Not like a brave heart warrior. I'm talking about I can worry sometimes. And, and, uh, and then you get around someone like Joel Pittman, who, who won't say too much and, uh, uh, during difficult times, but he'll say things that, that, that are absolutely refreshing and inspiring for me. He'll say, you know what? I know it's a problem, but God, God spoke to me. It's all going to be okay. I'm like, well, how do you know? Why? Because he's walking in faith. And there's a sense. Everything's going to be okay. And I, I, I want to be more like that, where we live in that space of faith that God, God you've got this. God, it's going to happen. I trust you. You're supernatural. You're able. Why? Because faith is recognizable. But so is the power of the Holy Spirit. Because, because in Acts 6, it's saying, look for men full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost. There's indicators that the Spirit of God's working in your life. What are they? Some of them, the gifts of the Spirit. What are some, what, what are some of them? Life, that sense of life. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus when the Spirit of God comes on you. There, there's a life that comes into your spirit and you can, see, you can get around people that are spirit, filled with the Spirit. They're overflowing. There's just a life about them. You don't want to be around them when they say grace because anything could happen. Dear Lord, we thank you for this cool ba food. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. In fact, there's someone over to my right. You've got a sore neck. Who's that? Per- you, ne- you never know when the Spirit of God's moving. I've been at graces with different pastors. They're so full of the Spirit. The dinner was cold by the time you got to eat dinner. But it was well and truly prayed for. I want to be like that. I, I want people to see faith. I don't know, I don't know how, how to connect this thought, but... I pray that faith and power won't just be recognizable in us individually, but it would be something alive in this house that is sort of on all of us. That when people come in, there's faith. There's that sense, I wonder what God's going to do tonight. I wonder what's going to happen tonight. I, that sense that anything could happen and it probably will. That sense of... God's up to something. You don't know what's in the air, but there's just something in the air. And, and I pray that it would be on this place and God would do something in our church with signs, wonders, miracles, the power of God. Souls being one to Christ. I know I was devastated I couldn't be here this morning. It's just how things happen. But to, I, I couldn't get out of my spirit with Sarah and Ben dedicating their baby girl this morning, who's a total miracle. 
seven rounds of IVF or whatever it was, believing God for 12 years to fall pregnant and it never happened. And then you've got people that can still sit in the church and say, I've never seen a miracle. Well, the whole church saw a miracle this week. And for me, that charges up my faith. Last night in Singapore, I was telling him how I was bummed that I couldn't be at my own church because we're celebrating the miracles of God. And they're shouting and getting happy because a baby's getting dedicated in our church. Who knows what God's going to do with that life, by the way? Who knows what God's got in store for that little girl in the name of Jesus? I pray she'd be anointed with the fire of the Holy Ghost. Faith and power are recognizable. I'm having a good time, by the way. Just Number two. Faith and power accelerate the call of God. I'm gonna, this, is, this is in the word here. I want to show you something. Acts chapter 6, verse 8, it says this, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs, or you can flip that around, signs and wonders, among the people. Now you go, that's, that's lovely. That's, that's beautiful. Let me tell you this right now, that Stephen was an usher. Nothing wrong with being an usher. Such a vital role in the church. It's powerful, and we thank God for those that help and serve and carry the meetings. But I want to encourage some of you that might be ushers to realize that whatever space you find yourself in serving God, you can step into the call of God through faith and power. This guy was an usher who's now moving in signs and wonders. He was ushering, all right? He was ushering the power of God into people's lives and, and seeing something happen. Now, he was the first outside of the disciples and Jesus, or the apostles and Jesus, to move in the power of God. The only difference between him and everybody else is he was full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost. No one had given him the memo that he couldn't. No one had told him he couldn't move in the power of God, so he stepped into that ministry and God started moving. He, he listened to the words of Jesus where he said, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. These signs will follow those who believe. Stephen had a revelation of that because he was a man of faith and he was a man of the power of God. I pray that our men in this church, our dads, our fathers would be men of faith, men of the power of God, our mums, our, our sisters, our nanas, whoever, full of faith, full of the power of God. In every level of our church, I'm believing there's a faith injection coming into our spirit where we're going to believe that God's going to do something, where we're not going to sit back and go, you know, I think we've had some good days. God's good. I'm not even looking back. I I don't want to look back. There's too much ahead of us. There's a harvest to be reaped. There's souls to be won to the kingdom of God. We've got to be a people who are full of faith in God, full of the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. I, I love this because Stephen was full of faith, and it was that faith that gave him the ability to tap in to the ability of God. When we walk in faith, and we have a revelation of faith coupled with the power of God, we've got to realize that gives us the ability to understand that the power of God is at our disposal. Isn't that amazing? The power of God through faith is something we can release into the hearts and the lives of other people in the name of Jesus. And when we walk in faith, we're operating in that supernatural dimension of God's spirit and God's power in our life. How many times did Jesus say, according to your faith, be it unto you? Never once did he say, according to your status in life, according to the number of followers you've got on Instagram. He says, according to your faith. Faith is, faith is a funny thing because people of faith get laughed at. People of faith get laughed at. Jesus walked into Jairus' house and Jairus' daughter was dead. And he said, she's not dead, she's sleeping. They began to laugh. How many know Jesus got the last laugh? Because he raised her. He raised her up. I, I can tell you right now that when we 
walk in faith. Some of you, God's promised you some things and you've not verbalized them because you're worried about the opinions of man. I say, go after him in the name of Jesus. Believe that God's going to do something significant with your life. I, I don't believe God's called you to live a thin, beige kind of, boring kind of, introverted kind of, occupy this much space until you get to heaven. I believe God's called you to do something so great for the kingdom of God. If you dare to believe God, nothing shall be impossible for you. People of faith, it's a simple message, full of faith and full of power. That's my prayer. My prayer tonight, you say, what do you hope happens tonight? I pray that people leave with a hunger for faith. Now feed their faith, stir their faith, grow their faith, stretch their faith. And ask God for a fresh release of the power of God in their life. Number three, faith and power intensifies the anointing of God in your life. Faith and power. I almost want to say faith plus power. Faith together with power intensifies the anointing of God in your life. The Bible says Stephen was preaching and the Bible says in verse number 10, they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. He wasn't called to be a preacher in the eyes of others. He was called to wait on tables and just carry a little bit of the load of the church. But when he spoke, people couldn't resist. The power, that word resist means to withstand. They couldn't withstand the things he was saying because there was something of God on him because he was a man of faith and a man of power. Some of us want to be listened to. We want people to hear everything we say. Let me tell you, you, you if you dig wells of faith and dig wells... The power of God. You can just say little things and people will be changed by them because you're speaking under the ability of Almighty God. I mean, his preaching was so powerful that some people didn't stop seeing him. They started seeing the face of an angel. I know that happens to you when I preach every week. It's oil of Olay. Don't be deceived, friends. Let me, let me tell you. Let me tell you this. God transfigured him as he began to speak. This is Stephen the Usher. It's like Cynthia. <laughs> Think of Cynthia Donaldson. This is what I'm talking about. This man was a man of faith and power. And he preached phenomenal things. Let me, let, I've, got, I've got to take this deeper. Number four, faith and power caused him to unlock greater revelation, caused God to unlock greater revelation for him. Because in the face of accusation, so now you've got to understand where this is going. He starts telling people about Jesus and da-da-da. People get mad at him. They're going to kill him. They're going to stone him. And we'll get to that in a minute. But, the Bible, but basically, he's facing false accusation. His peers are turning on him. And, and uh, he's facing hostile religious opposition. And instead of begging to be free and get away with it or renouncing God or complaining, he preaches like a man possessed. Let me tell you one thing about preachers. If they know it's their last shot, it's going to be a long message. And this was a long message. He preached for a while. He covered everything from the tabernacle. He covered the whole thing. He gave us a, a dissertation on, 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 on the, the law of Moses and, and his preaching the word. But he started speaking things that had not been clearly defined in Scripture at that point. But he started saying things like God's presence cannot be contained in a building. In a temple, not made with human hands, but understand that they are a temple who carry the power and the presence of God. He started talking about the church being you and I as we go out and do what God's called us to do, not just here together, but as you go. You're the church when you go. We are the church at, five, at about 6.30. The church will leave the building. But we're not going to stop being the church. We're going to go into Adelaide and we're going to be Jesus. 
Jesus. We're going to carry the paragon. And Stephen starts prophesying. Just the usher, usher, an usher. Stephen the usher. Now he's got faith and power and he's telling people about how the church is going to look and how it should function biblically and, and what heaven's like. And, and he starts telling them, hey, you've got to stop resisting the Holy Ghost, man. You need, you need the power of God. And he starts to preach and proclaim things that have never been really spoken before. It's quite powerful. I read a quote in one of the Bible commentaries that I have. He says, Stephen argues that a spirit-informed obedience to the law and the prophets will acknowledge that Jesus is the Messiah. This is the crux of his message. He also claims that any attempt to fix the presence of God in a static place is to deny his dynamic and expansive character. For Stephen, this living presence of God authenticates true communion regardless of time or space. Number five, faith and power bring an eternal perspective. This is quite crazy. Acts 7, verse 54. It's preacher's sermon. It says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. That's what they're doing. They're grinding their teeth at him. The Bible says, he being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He said, Look, I see heaven opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried with a loud voice, stopped their ears, ran at him with one accord, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on the Lord, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knelt down, cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with these sins. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Can I tell you? You've got a whole mob of people mad at you. And he's spouting off, boom. It's not made with human hands. The church is alive. It's expansive. We're living in the grace of God. And he starts saying, you need to be filled with the Spirit. And they're all getting mad. And he goes, oh, I see Jesus. Standing at the Father's right hand. Why? Because there was such a faith in his Spirit that he wasn't moved by the crowd his eternal perspective was so, so strong that he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he said, God, I've just, I've just got to get to heaven. I, I've got to be with you. Can I, can I say that faith and power will cause us to live with an eternal perspective? Can I tell you as Christians, it's so important here at our church that we don't just live and breathe our church to such a point where it's about our church, what we do, what other people are doing in church and, and church life, because it can become consuming and we deceive ourselves to think that when we're talking about the things of churchianity that we're talking about God and his kingdom, we've got to lift our eyes higher than just this. I love this. I give my whole life for this church, but there's it's actually more, it's more about eternity. And we look at people through the light of eternity and winning souls and seeing people saved, heaven populated, and lives changed. I want to encourage us to live with an eternal perspective. Now, it was easy for Jesus because he came from heaven to earth. And so he automatically lived with a heavenly perspective. You and I have to develop that by coming to a place of faith in God and living in the power of God so we experience the power of heaven in our life. And it causes us to live with an eternal perspective. A sense that this world was just buying time. For Donna and I, we love each other. We're married happily and she's my girl and I love her and she's awesome. But let me say this. A marriage has never just been about us. It's about the kingdom of God. God put us together. 
so lives of the people around us would be better and they'd know Jesus more and walk closer with God. Why? Because I don't want to just be married and occupy life, buy a house, get some super, get old and that's it. I, 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 want, to, I, want, to make, I want to make a difference. It doesn't matter if you're newly married or if you've been married since Noah's Ark. I, I, I want to encourage you. Realize that we can still live with an eternal perspective even if it's starting right now. Say, God, use me in the name of Jesus. Bless God. Are you happy? Are you happy? Number six, and my final thought, faith and power get results. I want to read two verses of Scripture, then we'll finish. Acts seven fifty eight. And I read it just before. They cast him out of the city. They stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul, later to be known as Paul. Acts twenty two twenty, Paul speaking. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Acts 11, it's all, we're seeing the ministry of Barnabas begin to have a huge impact. It says in verse 19, it's just an incidentally, now, though, now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, preaching the word to no one but Jews only. The point that I'm trying to tell you is Paul's first contact, the Apostle Paul's first contact with the preached gospel of Jesus was this moment. Yes, he was responsible for taking Stephen's life. No, that's not okay. But there was something that happened in Paul's life that a few chapters later when we see God come to him on the road to Damascus, he's thrown to the ground. The first thing Paul says when God confronts him, he says, Lord, Lord. You can't tell me that at that moment when the first martyr in the Bible other than Jesus, Stephen, went to be with the Lord, it didn't touch something in Paul's spirit. It caused him, caused him to go crazy and persecute. But ultimately, it was a seed planted that caused his conversion, which shook the world. And I want to tell you, faith and power. I mean, that story didn't end so well for Stephen. But it ended incredibly well for the kingdom of God. And I want to encourage us, let's be a people of faith and a people of power who believe that God wants to do something with our lives greater than maybe we've known before. I'm a big believer that every single person has a God-ordained plan and purpose for their life. That God's hand is upon every person here to see something happen in your world. I don't believe anyone's called to just exist. Maybe some of you, the faith and the power of God isn't happening in your life like you, maybe it has in days gone by. And you, you say, David, I need a fresh touch of God in my world. I don't know where you're at, but what I, what I do know is maybe some of you are going, yeah, this is good. I'm glad you, uh, this is what I feel actually. I feel like some of you are going, that's great. I'm glad. Keep preaching it to young people. I've missed my moment, but keep preaching it to the next generation. I'm preaching it to every generation. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever you read the Bible, it's always for written to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's written to every generation. I believe what we preach here is not just for a young person. It's for mum and dad. It's for some of you that might feel like the call of God is something you've missed. I want to encourage you. Get after it in the name of Jesus and see God do something. There's Elaine Smith. She serves in our church. She's on our team here at church. She runs our accounts and keeps us financially just cruising along. But here's the thing. 
her and her husband will go to the Philippines. They, they, they stand before some of those powerful people in those nations here in Adelaide. They just do their thing, and then God takes them to the other side of the world. God used them. Now, Elaine, I'm not allowed to tell you she's 72, but she has no plan on... on pardon? You, what are you? 76. Well, it's been a while since I asked, obviously. So. But at, at 76, Elaine and her husband, Bruce, are impacting nations for the glory of God. I want to encourage you. There's no one in this room that God doesn't have something fresh for. People here in the Valley of Decision saying, God, what's happening? I'm believing God's going to just ignite a sense of fire in your spirit. Again, a fresh anointing from Man, I feel that. A fresh touch from heaven. I, I tell you, your day, the days that are ahead of you are better than yesterday. What you've got in your future is better than your past. And I'm telling you, if you believe God, I, I want to be a person of faith. I want to be a person of power of God. And you say, David, why do you talk about these things so often? Because they, 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 they consume my being. Because I think if we can just get this stuff right. Often we preach the symptoms. We preach how to have a good this, how to do better at that, how to get this right. Those things are all important. But if you start here, so many things will just come into divine order. Faith and the power of God. It's simple. It's God's real. It's powerful. Worshiping God. I just feel like maybe there's people here tonight. You feel like, man, I feel God's presence, but you, you feel like the call of God has passed you by. You feel like the things that God has for you, maybe He doesn't have for you anymore. They're just, they're just, maybe they're, they're just, you miss your, miss your moment. I just feel like I want, I want to take those thoughts captive tonight and believe that God's actually got a fresh day and a fresh moment for you. You know, remember I heard T.D. Jakes preach this years ago, talked about he got a new car, had a GPS system. And he said there was just something in him that wanted to disobey the voice on the GPS. So he just kept driving the wrong way. And he said every time he drove the wrong way, the GPS had reset and just give him a new way to get to where he's going to go. I feel like some of you may feel like you've gone the wrong way. You've just taken wrong turns. And, and for whatever reason, maybe you feel like, you know, I love Jesus, but maybe the things that I feel like He's promised me... That, they're not going to come to pass. He, he never said His promises come to pass if you do everything right. He just said they'll come to pass. His promises are yes and amen. And I, I just feel like those GPS uh, navigators are just resetting and giving you a new way to get to where God's called you to. Some of you feel called to ministry. Some of you feel called to preach. Maybe some of you feel called to do something totally out of the box and you feel like it just hasn't happened. Can I tell you tonight in the name of Jesus, if that's you, I want to pray. Father God, I pray. Put a fresh fire in people's spirits, I pray in the name of Jesus. Lord God, I thank you that you are indeed able. Lord God, you are indeed willing. And God, you have a plan and a purpose. And Father, we just lift up every person to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray fresh fire from heaven in the name of Jesus. Fresh fire of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Let it be done in the name of Jesus. Come on. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise in here. Jesus. Man, I feel God in here. I know I'm getting a bit excited. You just can't help it sometimes.